0: Mystic flowing in the air Dee -dee. It's gonna be a weird one tonight I'll guarantee you that Right out of the gates, pal You got me? It's about to get weird I'm on three hours sleep Right now I should not be doing a podcast I should be in my bed Reading the book That is capturing my mind lately Guess what it's called Take a guess It's a memoir called Because I Come From a Crazy Family by Edward Hallowell, and it's good. It seems like it's about three billion pages, and I'm about 70 pages in, but I'm committed. I get into bed, and I'm so tired that I make it through a paragraph, and then boom, I'm asleep, so I'll probably need about seven years to read this book, but it's good. Welcome. How you been? It's good to be with you. I'm just going to start off with some bullshit observations, and then we'll get into it. Uh, LaCroix, the sparkling water craze. I'm all in. Love it. I don't go for the name brand, though. I go with Refresh from Safeway. You don't see Safeway Select anymore. That used to be their generic brand. Now it's Refresh. And if you read the ingredients on sparkling water, club soda, seltzer, it just says natural flavors. What does that mean? Natural flavors. I get the grapefruit flavored seltzer. Aren't they using a bunch of chemicals to make it seem like it tastes like grapefruit? That's not natural. Come on. This is the fabricated tastes that scientists have been able to synthesize. And everybody's sitting there thinking that they're so healthy with their seltzers and sparkling waters, including me. No more soda, no more juice. You know in 10 years there's going to be a study that says we're all dead because we spent too many years plowing through the LaCroix with those natural flavors. They're going to make them reveal what's truly in those seltzers one day. Oh, yeah. But until then, let's all enjoy the feeling of needles in your throat. Don't you love that? Where are my sparkling water enthusiasts out there, huh? And I'm not talking about Perrier. That's weak. You open up Perrier, that brand, it feels flat immediately. Fuck that. I'm talking about Refresh or LaCroix, where you sip it and it hurts your throat, but you still feel refreshed. Yeah, what are the natural flavors? All right, that observation's done. That didn't really go anywhere. How about this one? I'm calling my dad last night. It goes straight to voicemail. And one of the options is to leave a callback number, press one. Who in the history of cellular telephones is pressing one to then punch in their telephone number? To leave a callback number, press one. That's called pagers from the 90s. And why so many instructions? I know this sounds like a hacky comedy bit, but I really was wondering this. Why so many instructions on voicemail? The universal beep is what we all know is going to launch us into our voicemail. If it was just, hey, you've reached Josh, please leave me a message. Beep. Nobody would be confused. Nobody would be saying, wait, how do I leave a callback number? Or how do I press pound or star to let them know the message is done? Or what if I want to start over halfway through? What's with all the instructions? Come on, just give a beep. It's too much. It really it really takes too much time. I fully understand why we just text and text and text nowadays. It's so quick. Better than email? Yep. Better than leaving a voicemail? Yep. And if we actually call the person and they don't answer, let's be honest, we're just hanging up at that point, right? We're not saying, hey, it's Josh. Um, give me a call back. What a waste of time. They know I called. It pops up on their screen. Call me if you want. All right, how'd that work? How'd that one work? That little observation. I got another one. In the morning, I don't really know my mood until I get into my car. So I'm just a total zombie. Like I am right now, actually. You know that film of exhaustion over you when you're truly tired? You know how you're like detached from the world you're in because your eyes are just stingy? And all of your senses aren't really working at their highest levels. I'll get back to that topic later. But I don't even gauge my mood or my attitude until I'm in my car heading to work. I will sleepwalk through brushing of teeth, pouring of coffee, bringing the baby into the car seat, into the car, dropping her off at daycare. But if my mood is good, if I'm feeling good, chipper, positive, ready to tackle the day, then I'm listening to a little bit of sports talk. Then I like a little sports talk. Just a little bit. I think sports talk's easy, by the way. I just want to say that. During NFL season, how many storylines are there? You get on the air and you just talk about anything you want and it works. Obvious topics, obvious calls, obvious takes. Sports talk radio. But if I'm feeling shitty, if I'm having a woe is me morning, if I'm feeling stressed, if I'm feeling anxious, you know I need that 90.3 KDFC classical Give me the Chopin, give me the Mozart, give me the Beethoven, give me the Tchaikovsky, give me the Russians at the piano. And in the morning, there's a great DJ, Mr. Calm, Ray White. Ray White knows how to use more words than you actually need to get his statements across. And here's an example. And he does this every morning, and I just have to bring it up. And Ray, I know you're probably not listening to this podcast, but if you are, why the hell do you say it's 14 minutes before 7 a.m. this morning? Why not just say it's 646? Save some time. Why won't he just say what the time is straight up? It's 646. Ray loves to let you know how many minutes it is before the top of the hour. And it takes him a while. Should be a chilly day out there. A little more Brahms coming up in about 10 minutes. It's 14 minutes before 7 a.m. this morning. Very redundant. 7 a.m. this morning? Come on, Ray. You're in time. But I kind of like it. I'll admit it. It's just so much filler. But I'm so tired in the mornings that I kind of like his voice. I'm not always in a rush just to hear the next song. That's a good morning DJ. If I just needed music, 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 I'd probably go for Spotify. But I like a little Ray White. KDFC 90.3, funded by you, the listeners. How's that observation? That do anything for you? How about this one? Shige's Barbershop closed down. You remember Shige's? Of course you don't. The Japanese guy on Redwood Highway by Tara Linda? Loved Shige. My first haircut ever. How old was I? I don't know. But there's photos of me in the family albums going to Shige's for the first time and freaking out. Didn't like it. I didn't like the by my ear. Would you back that up, gay? I didn't like the clippers around my forehead. It was a little traumatic. I think I cried. Pretty sure I ran to the car. I ran to the station wagon. That was the era where moms had station wagons. You don't see station wagons at all anymore. Everybody's got the compact SUV going. But I'm moving back. I'm headed back to my hometown. Here I come, Tara Linda. So I was looking. You know, we all need our neighborhood spots. What's still there? Shige's? No. I think it made it up until 2010. Closed down. Permanently closed down. And why do I remember Shige's? Oh, there's one reason. And it's a biggie. He had all of his magazines in the waiting room stacked up. And it didn't matter if it was a kid's magazine or an adult magazine. Shige put them all out there. So if you're waiting about 10, 15 minutes for a haircut, and I remember this, I vividly remember this. I think I was eight years old and I'm at Shige's, ready to get that chop. And he's got all the magazines, right? He's got Time, he's got Life, he's got Sports Illustrated, he's got National Geographic. But guess what else? Shige would put Playboy out. I'm not making that up. I'm eight years old. I was able to get my hands on a Playboy. Do you know How powerful that experience was. Just to undo the centerfold, you have to actually unfold the centerfold and hold it up. How fearless was I at age eight? There's two things you wouldn't see anymore. Number one, an old Japanese barber who leaves the playboys out for the eight-year-old. And number two, anybody having the balls to actually look at the centerfold unfolded publicly. I just thought, you know what? This is how it goes down at Shige's. It's a little different here. So, Shige, I'll miss you. I guess I have to find another barber in the area. You know what else is not there? As I move back to my hometown and wonder, hey, where did they go? The sub hut. Or maybe they are, but it's not the same. Sub hut. This was a great deli. Old Russian man. Old Russian man. He had like this circular setup, like a DJ's booth, but it was all condiments, bread, and meats. And this old Russian guy. He had on an apron like he was a butcher. He wasn't, but he was just covered in salt, pepper, oil. That was his catchphrase. I don't even think he knew he had a catchphrase. But after you would ask for the sandwich, you know, he'd start with the bread. And you don't get a bread choice. He knows what you want. You want the homemade sourdough roll. And it was like puffy in the middle. It was like cloudy. It was soft bread. Almost like what they use in Philadelphia with their cheesesteaks. Have I been to Philly? you damn right. Pats or Geno's? Both. It's a tie. Said nobody ever. But that's how I felt. There's so much pressure when you go to Pats or Geno's. Hey, what do you like better? Pats or Geno's? I fucking like them both. All right? It's the same exact thing. But the bread is what makes it. That's what a lot of people don't realize. If you've never been to Philly for a true Philly cheesesteak, you're probably thinking, isn't it about the steak? Or isn't it about the cheese? Nah. It's about the bread. And that's what the sub hut had. This old Russian guy would give you the bread and he would stuff. That roll with so many condiments. You say lettuce? He's going fistfuls. Onions? Sure, I'll go onions. He's gonna slice a full onion up and just shove it onto that roll. He would stack your ham or roast beef or salami high. Stack it high. Tomatoes? Oh, sure. Why even cut it? Just full balls of tomato in there. And then at the very end, when he's done going around his DJ booth sandwich station, the circular tin walk, he looks you right in the eyes. And gives you the three-word question. Salt, pepper, oil. And in that moment, you just nod. Oh, yeah. All of it. And he would step back out of the squeeze bottle. Salt, pepper, out of the big old pepper mill. And then that old bastard would stand high above that towering sandwich and squeeze all that oil. (laughs) Drip. You don't get it to go. If you were to get a sub hut sandwich to go and bring it home, it would just be soggy. It would just drip down your elbows and you'd wonder what you're even eating. It'd be like pudding by then. You got to eat it immediately. So you go to one of the circular tables, get an orangina, and you eat it immediately. And it is the messiest sandwich. But the sub hut's no longer there. So I assume the Russian guy's listening right now, and let me just tell you, sir, I always said yes to your salt, pepper, oil. I almost feel like he had two types of oils, like he was double squirt bottling it, two-handed. What was his name? There's got to be at least one person listening right now who's like, "Oh yeah, the Subhut. I remember the Russian with those options." I assumed when you ordered the tuna sandwich, it was his own work in the sea. He would even get the tuna himself. That's my guess. That's how dirty he was. It looked like he would wrestle the tuna in the ocean, drag it into his deli, and then chop it up, throw it in a bucket of mayo, and then boom, he's ready. International deli's not there anymore, folks. International gourmet. All right, there's a little too insider right now. I should just step away from that for a moment. All right, here's what I've noticed lately. People are flawed. We're all flawed. We just have to be flawed. Everybody's flawed. Nobody out there should strive for perfection. We know that. The people that strive for perfection or want to display themselves as perfect in the world are suffering. But when you say, I'm flawed, it doesn't mean you celebrate it. It doesn't even mean you embrace it. You just have to be aware of it. All right, I'm flawed. I have flaws. But I think we like hearing about other people's flaws. I think we enjoy it. I think misery truly loves company. If you're going through a breakup, if you got that pierced heart, your soul has been shattered, somebody dumped you, you want to call a friend who has also been dumped. You don't want to talk to a friend who's floating in the world of love in that honeymoon state. I've been there back in the day. I remember loving hearing from my other friends that have had their hearts shattered. But if I called a friend who was like in love and a good relationship, I was like, I'm not getting anything out of this. If you get fired from a job, you don't want to call somebody who's gainfully employed in a profession that they are truly enjoying. You want to call a friend who has been kicked to the curb as well. And this is why I believe newspapers are always going to be popular, or at least consuming the news is always going to be popular. You know, before these smartphones, there were more newspapers. And if you go back to the 1700s in America, a major city would have like 9, 10, 11 newspapers. Capitalize on that. People love to read about the flaws of others. Isn't that what the news is? I mean, sure, you want to be informed about home prices and education and overseas policy and conflicts. But once you start getting into the nitty-gritty of a newspaper, aren't you just reading about people's flaws? Isn't that what a newspaper is? Hey, here's what's flawed about these people in this community. And then on page two, more flaws of people. This is what's newsworthy. There's never been an article written on the front page. Hey, here's some well-regulated, joyful, normal people. Nope. Front page news? Oh yeah, let me see somebody with flaws. Let's bask in the glow of flaws. If ever there was a newspaper that just displayed good news about people, that would be called a pamphlet, a promotional pamphlet. No thanks. Put it in the recycling bin. We like flaws. Because we all know we have them. We want to see some of our flaws mirrored in society. We're struggling financially. We want to see that the whole community feels that pain. You're struggling with your diet. You want to see other people struggling with their diets. You get migraine headaches. You want to read an article about others suffering from migraine headaches. You you get what I mean. This is what newspapers are. Newspapers often point out the areas for improvement. Isn't it kind of simple? That's a newspaper we're gonna display the areas where this community could be improved. I know this is painting a broad stroke over what a newspaper is, because there's many different sections, arts and culture, opinions, sports, and blah, blah, bliggity, blah, blah. But really, why is it that we have this thirst to be informed through newspapers? And if you're sitting out there and you go, not me, I don't care what's in the news. Come on, don't bullshit me. You can't disconnect. You can't say, I don't like the news. I think it's how humans are wired. We do want to be informed. We want to know what's going on. What's happening with our neighbors? What's happening with our schools? What's happening with our local politics? Even if you just know a little, that's more than knowing nothing. Occasionally, you meet somebody who says, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about the news. I don't want to talk about any of that shit. Well, guess what? I don't want to talk to you. Being uninformed? Come on. I guess I'm giving newspapers a lot of credit, like they inform us entirely. No, you could sift through and see what's BS, what's just clickbait versus what is substantial news. But I was recently studying the history of newspapers, and I thought it was fascinating. It just totally connects to today. Every app, all these websites, all these blogs, that get a lot of traffic. Yeah, before the phones, it was the same thing. Same thing. But it was just hard copy on print. Same exact concept. You know, humans have these desires, not needs. Needs are like hospitals, you know. We need hospitals, grocery stores, restaurants. We need to eat. We need that shit. But newspapers, do we need them? Not really. But because we know that humans throughout the years, hundreds, thousands of years, have liked to be informed, then it's become big business. Opportunistic tycoons like William Randolph Hearst Or my friend Joseph Pulitzer. Hey, Joey, we're ready for you, no? Oh, I thought I had Joe. But the history of it is pretty fascinating. Because nowadays, there's a lot of online sites that are under fire for perpetuating a lot of bullshit stories as if that's something new. No, it's not. It's just new that it's coming from the glow of your phone. What the hell am I talking about? I feel like I just talked for five minutes with my eyes closed. Are you still awake? You still awake out there? I got a couple more pearls for you. Pearls of wisdom. Now, here's something that's fun. Heartwarming and fun, funny, fun. Fun, funny, funny, fun. Comedy comes with a reputation. Most of the time, whenever you're going to sample something funny, you've heard about it before. Rarely do you ever just discover a comic that nobody has ever heard of, and you decide to go see this person. Or rarely do you watch a movie with an actor who no one's ever seen. Most of the time when there's a comedy recommendation, there's a buzz. Most of us in the general public, we respond to the buzz. So I remember being really young, like 12 years old, hearing the buzz about the Jerky Boys tapes or compact discs, the crank calls of the Jerky Boys. And I heard about it. Oh, they do characters? These two guys from New York, they just randomly call people? And they're the greatest prank callers? Okay, I'd like to hear this. And then when I actually did hear it, I think I was at Camp Tawanga, and we were all huddled around a CD player. It was better than I'd even thought. Jerky Boys, it doesn't get funnier. It's the type of laughs where you're just crying. You can't catch your breath. It's glee. It's straight glee. But even funnier was the reputation of Adam Sandler's earliest tapes. We're talking about 1993 or 94, 95. They're all going to laugh at you. And what the hell happened to me? You remember these? It wasn't just the Hanukkah song. That's the PG stuff. But that's when Sandler proved that he was all rated R. This is when Sandler was so good. And I remember I was not the first, second, or third to hear these tapes. I think it had been a couple of years before I actually got my hands on an Adam Sandler CD. They're all going to laugh at you or What the Hell Happened to Me. I can't remember which one, but the first time I heard it, I feel like I was in eighth grade with some buddies on a sleepover. Everybody in your sleeping bags, heads in the middle on your pillows. It was like an 80s movie I'm writing. But it's true. Everybody in your sleeping bags, we're just gonna listen to an Adam Sandler compact disc. Just say CD, won't you? Okay, CD. It hit me so hard, because I had already seen Sandler on Saturday Night Live. thought it was funny, very funny. In his movies, you know, early on, From Billy Madison to Happy Gilmore, very good. Very good. But he's never done anything close to these first albums. They were just so fucking funny that it hurt. I had heart pain. I had to call timeout. You had to pause it because you didn't want to miss the next joke by laughing so hard. These are some of the biggest laughs I ever had. So fast forward. Why don't you fast forward? Right now on Netflix, over the weekend, my wife and I said, Adam Sandler live. What's this? Adam Sandler's back doing stand-up, but it's not just straight stand-up comedy. He's doing songs, just him and a keyboard player. And his songs are so ridiculous, it immediately brought me back to age 12. What it was like listening to those tapes for the first time. And guess what? It holds up. Timeless. I thought, ugh, how immature. Am I really going to laugh at this? Come on. I'm a grown man. I'm an adult with dignity. Holy shit, was it funny. And then, towards the end, he reveals a song that he wrote for Chris Farley. And sure, it was cute, funny, but then it became sentimental, and then I realized, oh my God, I'm crying. Adam Sandler on the guitar, singing about Chris Farley. Yeah. Clenching my jaw. What's that? A little salty discharge, liquid drop coming out of my eye. Yeah, a little bit of crying. That's how much I miss Chris Farley, and that's how good it was to see Sandler back on stage with his guitar not caring about the critics or all the people that say he's terrible, he's awful. And his movies are now really bad. I can't defend him anymore. But the fact that he got back to his roots, picked up the guitar, just made up some silly songs. I'm not going to recreate any of the jokes, but check it out and watch the whole thing. You'll have some laughs. There's a great song about 69ing with Rob Schneider, an astronaut. If you've seen it, You're like, yes, that was good. If not, and I'm telling you, there's a great song about 69ing with Rob Schneider, the astronaut. You're probably saying, whoa, 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 I don't get that at all. But you got to check it out on Netflix. And he looks good. What is Sandler, 50? He looks good. And then he writes a song for his wife at the end. I think it's the same song that he sang to Drew Barrymore and the Wedding Singer, but he adjusted the lyrics for their current relationship. Oh, baby. It was so good. Let's all hold hands right now. This is sentimental, sappy stuff. Connecting your early childhood memories of laughter to today. I do wonder though, now having a daughter, is the stuff that made me laugh when I was a kid going to make her laugh? Didn't exactly work for my dad. I remember my dad trying to show me Marx Brothers. We're just old comedies. He liked Peter Sellers, George Burns. We agreed on Rickles. We agreed on Rickles. But there were some things that my dad liked the world of comedy that he enjoyed. And when he shared it with me, I was like, yeah, I'm not totally feeling it. That's got a sting. If I share Adam Sandler or Chris Farley with my daughter one day and she's just, yeah, I'm not feeling it. It's too dated. But that happens with comedy. Comedy expires. I truly believe comedy expires. So I was kind of surprised that Adam Sandler and that "shaba shaba Hoo yabba, sabba, hoo style of comedy still works. At least it works for me. And my buddies that I've talked to, they're like, yeah, you know, it's funny again. That means the Jerky Boys also need to come out with a new album, even though prank calls are pretty much extinct because, well, you call somebody and there's your number. But isn't that wild? I remember going back to fifth grade crank calls, receiving them. That was always scary to me. I don't know why. Receiving a crank call. See, I could tell you stories about making crank calls with my buddies. You just get out the phone book. I felt like we were Experts. When it came to crank calls, we call businesses, we call homes, people in your own neighborhood. they stay on the line for about 15 seconds, then hang up. But you ever receive a crank call, and it's night, and your parents aren't home, and you're 10 years old? That will fuck with your mind. Someone just whispering in a high voice to you, and you're like, what is happening here? Well, this is off-putting. Well, I don't think I'm going to sleep tonight. I'm so curious about what they were saying to me. If we're truly in the age of outrage, I bet crank calls today would be deemed like harassment. Or crank calls, like classic crank calls of the 80s. You know, we just went on with our day, but nowadays they'd be reported. It'd be a form of bullying, I assume. Not to say we're so soft nowadays, but aren't we? Isn't that what I'm saying? We're so soft. Like if I heard that my daughter, when she was 12, received a crank call, would I flip? Would I march right down to the police station? Officer Chuckles Nuts, come here. I want to file a complaint. I feel like I should wrap this up, don't you? Don't you feel that way? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 can't wrap it up. I was thinking about this. All we do is get duller. I'm talking about our census. We just get duller. I think, what do we peak? 18 to 28, those are a good 10 years. I'm not sure I loved 18 to 28 in my own life. I think I liked them. I don't exactly vividly remember But I remember 15 to 18, I really enjoyed it. High school was fun. But 18 to 28, physically, we're supposed to be sharp. And I'm not just talking about abs or biceps or triceps. I'm talking about your senses, just your sight when you're younger, your hearing, your sense of smell, taste, touch. Think about the five senses. The only thing that's gonna happen, I'm 37 now, I'm just gonna notice how they're all diminishing slowly. Like my hearing. It's not as good as it once was. Probably 11, 12 years in radio screwed that up because I would have the headphones on way too high. I don't know why. I felt like that was a bad habit that I developed. Just I would crank my headphones up when I was doing radio. So hearing on a scale of one to 10, my hearing's probably a seven and a half. My dog's officially a zero. You could be behind him screaming. My dog will not look back. It's very weird. But he'll smell you. Oh yeah, he'll smell you. His nose is still a 10. Come on. Uh, my vision, I, f- I find myself squinting a little more now. Scale of 1 to 10, ten's the best sight I've ever had. I'm working with an 8, 8.3 nowadays. It's getting duller. My taste. Taste is good, but you're always challenging yourself, right? Like I see my daughter, she had hummus today. Her face lit up like ba-ba-ba-boom, hummus. I have hummus, it's, yeah, it's not that exciting. But that's why I'm now chasing the great flavors of the world. That's why I'm this ridiculous foodie. I need to try gastronomy. Gastronomy. Oh, I could do a whole podcast on that. I'm not even going to get into that. I don't even know if it's called gastronomy now. I want to Google it, but you know what I mean. When the chef puts together a bunch of little things on a spoon. Nope. Okay. Keep moving. Uh, My sense of touch. Yeah, not as good. Like in the morning, my feet, when I wake up, I go, hey, are my feet going to hurt today? Is it going to hurt when I start walking to the bathroom or not? It's a coin flip. Sometimes it will. Other times it won't. Why? I don't know. Everything's just getting duller sense of smell. Actually, that's my forte. That's a 10 scale of one to 10. Yeah, I got a, I got a 10. I got a nose like an old beagle and a young beagle. So what's the point, right? Why even bring this up? Come on. You were just talking about Sandler and having good laughs as a kid. Why the miserable aging talk? Because this is one of the great values of having a kid of becoming a parent. You now get to watch something new enter the world and go through all of these stages. So the word vicarious. You don't want to cling. You want to let the kid have their own experiences. But come on, watching that kid one day walk into a Giants game. I remember walking into Candlestick Park for the first time. The grass was so green. Now I walk in, it's still green. But do I appreciate it as much? Of course not. Walking into a Giants game for the first time, watching these grown men play catch, just warming up, take an infield. It's a beautiful sight. Now I go to the game. Yeah, it's okay. But one day I'm going to watch my kid enter a Warriors game for the first time, a Niners game for the first time, a Cal basketball or football game for the first time, a Giants game for the first time, an A's game. Hopefully the A's get a ballpark in downtown Oakland one day for the first time. And that exuberance will be there. And the senses will be sharp. I'll be so dull. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'll be all around the 2s and 3s by then, but at least I can look at this little kid and go, yeah, I re- all right, all right, I remember that. When the green grass just looks so green and you appreciated it. All right, that'll do it. I should have been in bed this whole time reading about that crazy family. Identifiable? Oh, yeah. Relatable? you damn right, but really good. If we're doing book club and I highly doubt anybody is reading what I'm reading, but it's a memoir called Because I Come From a Crazy Family, and it's great. And if you need a book to put you to sleep, this will do it too. But I know that's not a way to advertise a book. Mostly you should say, hey, it'll keep you up. You're not going to want to go to sleep. But this, every paragraph will put me to sleep, and I love it. I guess that's a bit of a contradiction. All right, episode 38, we're done here, folks. Give me a follow on Twitter. I'll follow you back at Rosenberg 957 Give me a rating on iTunes. I'll rate you back. I'll rate you a 10. You're the best around. Never gonna get a deep a deep All right, episode 38 in the books. I'll talk to you soon.